last week we started a series and it's called The Practice of Scripture. And our heartbeat over the next few weeks is really to help us read and understand the Bible for what it is and also to understand what it isn't at the same time so we can get the most out of it and grow in faith and grow in our understanding of, uh, of who God is. Now, last week we started building this framework as the foundation. And the foundation, we said, was that the Bible is God's story. And, uh, and we, we framed it that way so that anytime you pick up the Bible... Uh, whether you're reading a verse or a passage or a chapter or a book or you're in a Bible study or even listening on Sundays, that you can situate yourself into which part of the story we're talking about. And that's so helpful in what it means to understand the Bible and read the Bible. And I thought about it. I thought about this idea of story. Tell me what you think about this. I mean, you can comment on it or just write me a note. But everybody, it seems, lives by a story. Everyone lives by a story, this, this bigger picture that shapes your life, that shapes your direction, that shapes your decisions. Now, for some people, the source of that story is culture. For some, it's a family, uh, just deep roots in family. For some, it's experience. For some, it's even political, where the things that drive uh, who you are. Last week, we quoted Robert Weber, who said, Christianity is a spirituality and a faith based on God's story. God's story drives uh, how we understand who God is and the kind of life he longs for us. Now, here's the question as we start off today that we're going to get into today's theme. Do we give permission to that story to shape us? Do we allow that story or see that story as authoritative? There's this passage in, um, in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul um, writes to uh, an elder, a pastor in a, in a local church in, in Ephesus. His name was Timothy. And he's a young pastor. He's growing in faith and ministry. And Paul writes these words to him in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. And we get a glimpse of this idea of what it means to allow the scriptures to shape us and see it as authoritative. So I, I'm going to read a few verses and then we'll unpack it a bit or use it as our foundation today. Here's what Paul says. You, however... Know, about, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you... As for you, and he's speaking directly to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from, you, from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Just pause for a second and pray. God, um, yeah, we just take this moment right now to actually surrender ourselves to hear your words and to give full permission because we call Jesus Lord to lead us and guide us and shape us. Through your words, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You know, Paul, if I could just summarize, think about what he says. Verse 10, he says, you know, he tells Timothy, you know all about my life, uh, my teaching, my endurance, my faith. He's speaking to Timothy from his own life. In verse 14, he says to Timothy, continue what you learned and from whom you learned it from. And then he says in verse 15, from childhood, where you were immersed in the sacred scriptures, this kind of hint towards the scriptures, that instructed you through faith in Jesus Christ. And you get this sense right off the bat that Timothy has been shaped by God's story found in the scriptures, sourced in the scriptures, but also affirmed by Paul's life, by Paul's teachings, by some other people in his life as well. We read that in the text. But basically, Timothy has allowed God's story to shape him. Now, I have this neighbor, his name is, is Dan, and uh, he's uh, is a great guy, and he retired the last couple of years, and he's become a personal trainer in his retirement. He's like the fittest guy on our block, and uh, I actually joke with him that one day I got to come and sit with him and hang out with him, and he has to like whip me into shape. Uh, I'm, I'm dreading the day, but here, here's the thing. His clients spend tons of time with him, and they, they, they listen to him, they receive guidance from him, they welcome correction from him. They literally do what he says, right? So sit-ups, squats, burpees, whatever, the, whatever he tells them, right? Because they see him, when they're with him, they see him as an authority and they trust him for their physical well-being. Now, they might not trust him for every part of their life, but at least in that moment, they trust him for their physical well-being and they see what he's telling them as somewhat authoritative. And here, Paul is reminding Timothy about what's authoritative in his life. And he's speaking about the authority of Scripture, one of the, the theme we're talking about today. This ability that Scripture has to teach and correct and train and ultimately to lead us to a flourishing life in Jesus and his kingdom. Now, just to be 100% clear, Jesus Christ is the path to this life. But the Scriptures nurture this life in us. So Jesus is the path when we call people to Christ, when we, we ourselves follow Christ. But scripture nurtures that life. But the question, I mean, comes up, like why the scriptures? Why not just kind of the message in our heads? Why not limit it to what Timothy could have observed from Paul or heard from Paul? Why listen and learn and respond to the scriptures? Last week we talked about the scriptures as a two-volume collection written by 40 authors over 1,500 years telling us God's story. Well, here's why. Paul says in verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God. Paul recognizes that in the scriptures, God's life is there. And when we read it, or as Paul's referring to it, at least for him and Timothy, the Old Testament that they were looking at at that time, and later for us as the Old and New Testament, they saw it as God's word. God's life sits there. Where'd they get this idea? Well, I'm going to just pull back into two samples from the Old Testament. Here's Isaiah 40 and Isaiah 55. Isaiah says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Here's God speaking through Isaiah 55. My word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I, des- what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And here, if we just kind of like fast forward to the New Testament, here's Hebrews chapter 4, where the New Testament Christians were starting to recognize both the the Hebrew scriptures, and then this apostol- the apostolic teaching coming from the early apostles, from the, the, the gospel of Christ, not necessarily in written form at the time. Some of it was oral form, 
but they were starting to see it in a similar way. This is what Hebrews 4 says. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Paul looks at these themes as he pulls out of the Hebrew scriptures and as we also look at both Old and New Testament and recognizes God's life is in there. That's why he calls them inspired. And so Christians have come to see the Bible as authoritative, as active and alive and achieving God's purposes in us. Something beautiful happens when the themes of scripture are presented and it does something in people. But, you know, and and we also see this from Christians over the centuries because the church has sometimes lost its way. I mean, you and me at times lose our way and often get called back into the message of the scriptures. Back in the 14th century, a guy named John Wycliffe noticed that the church was getting, uh, kind of being shaped overly by church tradition rather than the scriptures. And he calls the church back to see the scripture as the primary voice of God. And Wycliffe became one of the most influential Bible translators to get the scriptures into multiple languages. He was part of the catalyst in that. In the 16th century, a guy named Martin Luther saw the church beginning to develop practices that strayed away from the core of the message of scripture. And he was part of that institution. So he calls the church back to say, hey, we need to allow the scriptures to shape us and help us understand when we veer off. And so he coined a phrase called, you know, sola scriptura, only scripture. But we still ask the question, like, what authority is in the Bible? And whose authority is in the Bible? And I want to present it in a way to us that I hope we can grasp the fullness of this. Because the scripture actually has delegated authority. The scripture has delegated authority. In fact, when we read parts of scripture, it actually points us to the source of its authority quite openly. We know from the scripture itself that its authority isn't just in the pages, in the letters, in the lyrics, in the language. We know that its authority is not just in a modern translation we read. Its authority is rooted beyond itself. In fact, this idea of authority in the scriptures helps us understand what we mean by delegated. There's this passage in John 19 where Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. He's a, he's, a, he's a Roman leader and he's, you know, post getting arrested, being uh, accused and sentenced to death. They're having a conversation and Jesus reminds Pilate, hey, the authority you have right now to do what you're doing has been given to you by God. In other words, it's been delegated to you by God. When Paul is teaching the Roman church and he's helping them understand how to live as citizens in Rome, even while they're being persecuted, he tries to help them understand not all of Rome, not 100% of Rome is bad. There's some aspects of authority in Rome that bring order to chaos. And God has delegated authority to them to bring order in that time period. And so we get this sense of what delegated authority means. And we have this idea from the scriptures that all authority is God's. If anything else has authority besides God, it's delegated. And this continues when Jesus comes on the scene, historically and in the scriptures. This shift of understanding of authority comes with Christ. John tells us in his gospel, the word, the logos, the essence of God's message becomes flesh shows up in person. In other words, God was G- uh, Jesus was God's word in action. 
And he performed miracles and healings. And people noticed that he taught with authority. And the cross and the resurrection demonstrate the power of God in Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus tells his disciples, post the resurrection, these famous words, Matthew 28. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Where's the authority of the scriptures? It's rooted in God. It's rooted in Christ. The early church recognized Jesus as God's authority. Even when Paul writes in Colossians 1, he says, Jesus is the representation of the invisible God. All God's fullness dwells in him. And so when we read the scripture, the Bible itself tells us where its authority sits. Now, sometimes we just use this phrase, the authority of scripture. And we want to use that phrase maybe to back up something that we want to say or do. But here's the heartbeat of when we say the authority of scripture. N.T. Wright describes it in this little expanded phrase. Because sometimes he says, when we say the authority of scripture, it's like kind of a backpack. And I, here's the backpack, and I say this is the authority of scripture. But sometimes we need to open the backpack and understand what's inside it. And so N.T. Wright says, to describe it this way, that God's authority is expressed through scripture. So when we say the authority of scripture, what we mean is God's authority expressed through scripture. Why do we know that? Because God's authority didn't show up with the scriptures. Before anyone started reading the Bible, before anyone started looking at a page in the Bible, they were listening to God. Abraham heard God's voice. Moses received God's law. The prophets passed on God's message. God spoke before the Bible, the collection of books that we have in our hand ever existed, and people spoke his word like we just read from Isaiah before it was ever put on a page. God's word already had authority before it was ever put in writing. So the Old Testament prophets were instruments in God's hands before the Old Testament canon was ever compiled. The New Testament apostles were instruments in God's hands before the New Testament canon was ever compiled. And before we have the full version of this, the church was using the scriptures for 300 years, recognizing it, seeing God's work through it. What I want to say is that God's authority is delegated from what God already possesses. Already possesses. And it helps us understand something. And Scott McKnight says it this way, and you can read it off the screen with me. God existed before the Bible existed. Now, some people don't want to separate God from the Bible, and we're not actually separating him from the Bible. But in timeline, in history, in how this all came about, what I'm holding in my hands, God existed before the Bible. God exists independently of the Bible. God is a person. The Bible is words on a paper or screen. God gave us this papered Bible to lead us to love his person. So the person and the paper are not the same thing, not in essence. The Bible has delegated authority. Now, before you call me a heretic, have you ever worshipped the Bible? No. Have you ever prayed to the Bible? Have you ever like lifted your hands like before the Bible? Have you ever put the Bible down and kneeled before the Bible? We don't do that. We don't do that because we don't worship the Bible. We worship Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Son of God. That's who we worship. And that's important because there is other religions or faiths that actually venerate their scriptures. 
We don't venerate our scriptures. We submit to them because God's authority is expressed in them. And there's a big difference. So when you and I say we love God's word, yes, we do love God's word. But we're really saying we love the words that came from his heart and from his person and that were put on these pages. So when John says the word became flesh, it's not that the word was put in letter form. Eventually it was. But it's that the Bible points us from the words to the word in flesh, Christ Jesus. And that's the goal of scriptures, that the scriptures would lead us to him. So maybe I'll summarize it this way. The Bible is God's speech. The Bible is God's speech, God's authority expressed through the scriptures. Now, in the next few weeks, we're going to understand what do we mean by that? Is it literally God's speech? How do we interpret that? How do we read them? How do we discern them? But when we have the scriptures in hand, if God's authority is expressed through the scriptures, then the scriptures themselves, now the words and the pages, they become a guide. They become a filter. They help us discern God's voice and message. They help us with boundaries and understanding if what we're doing or what we're listening or what we're learning from or the direction we're going is, is within God's will and God's plans. And so we learn it and we live it and we pass it on. And that's why if we go back to, to 2 Timothy 3, that's why Paul tells Timothy, learn from the scriptures like you have been. Lean on, to the, lean on and into the scriptures if you want to live a godly life. And even as Paul was experiencing persecution, Timothy would experience it in the first century. And Paul says, if you want to endure persecution, lean on the scriptures. The scriptures will give you the strength to get through the persecution that you sometimes face when you follow Jesus. Why? Because they're inspired by God. They're God-breathed. That's literally what it means that word inspired in the original. It's God breathed. God breathed life into them. God is the source of the life we find in the scriptures. And in fact, when I'm sitting with the scriptures or reading the scriptures and I find myself in a moment led to worship, I'm, I don't worship the scriptures. What the, I'm reading from, God uses it to work in me and then I end up worshiping him. There's a big difference. And that's because the God, God is the source of the life we find in them. And God's authority is expressed through them. Now, we get into issues sometimes. And we're going to discover this in the next few weeks and what it means to interpret the scriptures well. Here's what inspiration isn't. A couple of things. One, inspiration is not just what we sometimes feel like when you... Have you ever watched a movie and you're like, I'm inspired, you start crying? That's like the word inspiration. My wife and I were watching Hidden Figures last week, an awesome movie of uh, three black American women who were so instrumental in, uh, in NASA, in the innovation of, of how the rockets went up into space. It was, a beaut- it was an amazing story. There were some moments in there, literally, I was in tears. We were inspired. And we can use that word inspired for that kind of inspiration. Maybe your favorite song comes on the radio and you start crying. I don't know. There's that kind of inspiration. And yes, the Bible sometimes inspires us like that. But that's not what the word inspiration is about in this text. We also misinterpret it this way, where we think the word inspired means that the writers of Scripture were God's typewriters. Like as if Paul or Isaiah or Ezekiel or Mark kind of sat there with their eyes closed and just like hearing exact words from God and writing it down. That's that's understood as mechanical dictation. And sometimes we think inspired means that there was some mindless writing that went on that God just said these words and Paul wrote it exactly the same way or 
uh, God said these words and, and Isaiah wrote it in, in like just these literal ways. Like there was no human interaction. And that's the third thing that inspiration doesn't lead to. It doesn't mean that it's free from human interaction. First, how it was written. And secondly, how we interpret it. I bet you've met people, and I have too, that say, I only want to read the Bible with zero human interaction. I don't want anybody to tell me what it means. I don't want anybody to give me context. I don't want anybody to help me understand it. I, I don't want to have extra reflection on it. The Bible says it. God says it. I believe it. I'm going to do it. Please, no human interaction. And man, there's been a lot of problems that come out of that. When I was a kid or when I was a teenager, I remember like struggling with, with a person in my life or a decision in my life. And sometimes I just want God to tell me, like, what do you want me to do, God? So I'm like, and maybe people have done this, right? They're like, okay, God, I'm going to just open the Bible. I'm having this struggle with this guy at school. He's really bugging me. What should I do? And I open the Bible and literally I read something like, God told Israel to destroy the Amalekites. I'm like, okay, God, you want me to kill this guy? That's what you want me to do, literally. I get it. And so, obviously, that it's not, that's not how we would interpret the Bible, right? We'll talk about that in the next few weeks as well. That's false, right? The Bible came together in partnership with people. And as soon as you read the Bible all by yourself in your basement and tell me what you think, you have contaminated it with your human interaction. So we either got to wrestle with what that means, so inspiration, as we're going to learn how we interpret in the next few weeks, is not void of thinking or reflection or interpreting. But what inspiration does mean is that the scriptures are full of God's life. God's authority expressed through them. And I want to just leave you with these two words to help you get this, even from 2 Timothy 3. It informs us and it transforms us. And Paul tells Timothy right after, hey, all scriptures inspired by God for teaching. So it teaches us something, right? When we learn something, it leads us to have insight and understanding. It brings us to discovery about something. So the scriptures inform us. It teaches us. The scriptures also rebuke and correct us when we're veering off or we're, we're not understanding. Maybe we're badly interpreting something or, or maybe we're, we're veering off God's purpose for our life. The scriptures have the power to rebuke us or correct us or confront us. So it informs us. The scriptures train us, Paul tells Timothy. And here's where it moves from information to transformation because the scriptures train us for, he says, a life of righteousness or equipping us for that. So what's the goal? It's not just information, it's transformation. That the, the, the goal of the scriptures is that we would grow into a life of what Paul says is righteousness. Now, some of us think righteousness means not using four-letter words and being really nice people at an elevator to let people in. And probably it includes that. But here's what it really means. Righteousness in the scriptures is God's justice, God's love, God's grace, God's values, God's kingdom, God's will, God's way. And so the scriptures transform us into the way of God. So I'm going to invite the team to come up as we wrap up in, a, in just a moment or two, the worship team, because we want to end with communion today. But I want to just wrap it up this way to say this. The scripture, when we truly give it permission to do what it's meant to do and see it as God's authority expressed through it, it leads to the kind of life that Jesus modeled and taught.
It leads to the kind of kingdom the prophets pointed to. It leads to the kind of expressions that the new creation one day are hinting is coming because God's full rule and reign will be fully evident and on display. And the the Holy Spirit can begin to produce these, these glimpses of new creation in us even today. And when we submit to the scriptures, it leads us to the salvation that the scriptures call us to, that we find in Christ. Christ is the path to it. The scriptures point us there and nurture that. Now, I can't force you to trust God's authority. I can't force you to trust this, the, the, the authority of God expressed in scripture. If you don't, my heartbeat is that even today and through this series, you'll begin to see the value and beauty and power of the scriptures. But if you do, or you're beginning to, then I want to call you to respond to the scriptures. James said it this way, the brother of Jesus, in James 1.14, he says, don't just listen to the word. Don't just be hearers of the word. He said, be doers of the word. And there's a transition that takes place from listening to doing, from comprehending to action. And that's as the Lord begins to transform us. And when we see God's authority expressed through scripture, all of a sudden we submit and we start to say, oh, God's leading me to this. I'm going to respond. Live this way. And that's always been the way. From Abraham to Moses, from Isaiah to Malachi, from the early disciples and apostles throughout church history. But here's the key. As you and I begin to respond to the scriptures, God begins to lead us to him. So if you're just new in coming to faith or, dis- or, or wanting to grow in faith, When we respond to the scriptures, God leads us to him, first of all. But then God begins to change us from the inside out as the scriptures begin to work in us. And so I'll say it this way. This last line, I want you to read with me off the screen. Don't just go to the scriptures for information. Surrender to it for transformation. Don't just go to the scriptures for information. Surrender to it for transformation because God's authority is expressed in it. And if that's the case, and I believe it is, then transformation begins to happen in us. So I'm going to wrap up with this short prayer that's actually, you're going to be able to read it with me off the screen. And uh, we'll just put it on the screen right now before we read it because it's just a, a prayer I came across that I think just summarizes really briefly in a couple of sentences what our heartbeat is today. And even for this series. Let's just pause for a moment and take, take a moment and just... Um, Yeah, just process even what we've been talking about today. What God is doing in you right now in this moment. Where maybe what he's prompting in you. Maybe it's even been something that you've been resistant or wrestling with actually listening to, learning from, responding to the scriptures. And right now in this moment, you might just want to say, Lord, Help me to see and understand and come to you. Really surrender to listen to you. Yes, God. Let's pray this prayer. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, grant me so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that I may embrace and ever hold fast 
the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Maybe just take a moment and just internalize this prayer. Make it your own. Maybe take a picture of it from the screen or later on go and download it from our site so you can just let it be a launching pad for how you pray this week to embrace the scriptures and allow God to work in you through them. Yes, God, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.